And another day, another podcast. Welcome, Mayor Coke, to your own podcast. Thank you, Mac. This is City View with Mayor Tom Koch. My name is Mark Carey, his media director. And this is part of the podcast group from Podcast Quincy. You can find us at any of your podcast platforms and just subscribe to us so you can make sure you get the latest one and, and be notified when it comes up. So, Mayor, we have a lot to talk about today. Let's just dig into the issues. And first, let's discuss something that you don't really hear about that often and, and not necessarily the happiest subject of all, but it's actually not as bad as it may seem. I mean, people panic, but there was a case, a confirmed case of the measles here in Quincy. Yes, there was. Um, and, um, you know, it... it uh it's you know we were kids we all had measles we all had chickenpox but uh, today it, you know with all the vaccines vaccinations over the years I guess it's uh, it was on the decline or eliminated from this country but um, we've seen uh, different outbreaks around the country now uh, I think we were the second in Massachusetts the one in Quincy it was an 11 month old infant who uh, before anyone makes any judgment uh, you know a child doesn't get the vaccination until they're one year old so um, wasn't any issue with the parents not vaccinating their child, it was an 11-month-old being exposed somewhere to uh, to the virus. So, um, you know, t- today, talking to Commissioner Ruth Jones and her team down at the health department, they're doing a great job. Uh, they immediately opened up the uh, the health center at the Kennedy Center. I saw it over uh, this they, weekend. I think they gave out 110 vaccinations to measles of folks of all ages. Uh, we appreciate the Department of Public Health at the state, which provided the uh, um uh, the vac- whatever, vaccination, no, yeah. but there's a there's Your a name serum? for it, whatever it's called, yeah. yeah. Uh, but so we appreciate them jumping on it right away as well. Uh, but yeah, people shouldn't panic. I mean, one of the big differences today and in, 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 uh, learning some of this stuff from uh, talking to Commissioner Jones and, and others is the world is so small today. The travel is so much today. You know, I, as a kid, you know, I know nobody in my family have a flu. <laughs> you know, I mean, really, but but there's, there's so many ways to um, be in contact today with the virus uh, because we are so small in in a sense. You know, the travel, the connections. The uh, I mean, gosh, it was a big deal to go to New Hampshire as a kid. Now kids go to Europe like it's nothing. That's so, right, yeah. airplane travel, all of the public travel, uh, kind of adds to the issue when there is an issue like this. Uh, of spreading it more easily. So uh, we're on top of it as best we can. And um, I know that all the folks um, that may have been in contact with uh, this youngster, you know, have gone, the health department's gone through all of that, talked to all those organizations, let it put everybody on notice and, and uh, you know, the appropriate communications and notifications under the law and beyond we do. Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens. Hopefully this thing will die down. That's all we needed to do is just touch on it. It's not as a, much of an outbreak or an emergency, but you're right. My ignorance to it was, was you never know. Did, was it something that was by the time they were a year old is when they get their vaccination? That's the first one. And they get a booster. Uh, I don't know if they're three or four years old at that point, they get another, another shot, but yeah, they can't, they're too, they're too young. And, I, and it's, you know, it's my understanding too. It's when you, the younger age, um, that has more vulnerability of really getting, health damage or, or concern, you know, this, the other thing that Ruth Jones was telling me about was that today the, the immune system's different. Uh, people aren't as uh, immune. You get a lot of people that are sick, the people on chemotherapy and all that stuff. So people like that would be susceptible where they have an immune system that's been compromised, you know. Right, uh, right. So you always worry about little infants and, and uh, of course, so but this, this child seems to be doing okay. Great. Oh, by the way, I meant to um, compliment you and the city and everybody who was involved from the Veterans Administration to what a great parade and ceremony and 
at this last yeah, Memorial Nicholson, Day was. Yeah, Josh Veterans Director, and Judge Bouchard, who's a graves registration officer. It's George's primary role to decorate all the graves and, and be the parade marshal, Judge uh, Bouchard. So they, they do a nice job, Marianne and Heather in the office. Uh, but all the volunteers that come out, they get a lot of folks that come out and help put the flags on all the graves. I mean, you we see Mount Wollaston driving by, but... There's a lot of veterans inside Mount Wallace, and there's veterans at Pine Hill, right, right. at Hall Cemetery, at the Hancock Cemetery. And they do, I know across the city, they also do the monuments and, uh, and signs of street corners and decorate them with flags as well. So it's a big task, uh, but they do an excellent job. The weather was perfect. It was perfect. a gorgeous day. A nice parade. They had a number of bands in the parade and mm. a decent turnout. I, you know, I, I commend the people of Quincy for coming out to remember uh, those that have gone before us, particularly those that... Gave the ultimate sacrifice. Let's move on. We have a lot to talk about today. We're going to talk about some good things. Uh, local aid is something that we receive every single year from the state. And uh, local aid, I guess, uh, tallies up to about $20,276,000 um, around there. We're, we have a 2.7% two, a increase. Is that right this year? I don't, that that may be the, uh, the unrestricted local aid. There's, right. there's different ways that uh, local aid comes in. So okay. there's unrestricted local aid. There's Chapter 70 local aid which goes specifically for education. Then there's Chapter 90 local aid, which is used for roads. repair and roads and sidewalks. So, um, look, we, when we when I took office, um, local aid of our budget was almost 20% of the budget. Today it's 14%. So local aid, I appreciate, you know, the governor and our legislative delegations um, for their help in increasing the local aid. But it hasn't increased with uh, really um, – uh, the reality in the world percentage-wise on our budget. And, and I understand that, you know, the state has some real challenges, um, you know, the whole issue of health care for everybody and, and the cost of entitlement programs, including health care in the state budget, continues to be a, a real challenge. Uh, and so so I'm not being critical, but just, just to state the fact, so our local aid now is about 14% of our budget. Um, there are some communities, older cities, that, you know, uh, it's a heck of a lot higher, but I wouldn't want to trade places with them either because yeah. there's, there's yeah. some real issues in those communities. Right. There's some real challenges. Uh, so, you know, 75% uh, of our budget is is from the property tax, um, and then about 11% is from those other fees. Um, you know, when you get married, you pay for a birth certificate, sure. a marriage certificate, dog license, death certificate, yeah. dog license, a building permit fee, excise mm. tax when you're paying your car, that all goes into the... Uh, the local receipt side. So the local aid from the state, we appreciate the effort. We're glad it's uh, been increased. Um, you know, we are well over our foundation level um, of what we uh, are as a budget for uh, the school department. So, um, so you know, we're in a good place. We're in a good place. I mean, you know, the, the challenges are always there in any municipality. Cost for everything continues to go up. Demand for services continues to go up. Demand for new programs, can, you know, and I say this respectfully, not in a cynical way at all, but everybody wants everything, but nobody wants to pay for anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think that's the typical American way. Yeah. Um, so, but I remind people that, you know, it's uh, the local levels where it happens for your services. Uh, really, if you think about it, uh, whether you have kids in the schools, you use the parks, the plowing, the rubbish pickup, 911, uh, the libraries, veteran services, the senior center. It's all at the local level. Emergency you know, services, so, snowstorm, yeah. all those kind of all things. All that stuff, all that stuff. So, uh, again, we, I appreciate the legislative delegation's work on the local aid. I appreciate the governor's work on it. Uh, and uh, as we speak, the council is is uh, going through our budget. Uh, I think a number of departments have been okay to date. Some more meetings scheduled. Uh, Ian Kane is the finance chair on the city council, and uh, I know he's conducting some more meetings 
um, to get through the budget. So, you know, hopefully, um, I think it's a good budget, and I, you know, I, I think that we're in a good place overall financially. Uh, but you know, this this storm clouds, this challenges we got to face. Great. Let's shift gears completely. We'll come back to other um, bits of uh, budgetary. All right, there, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> just, all right, just checking. Yeah. Can't speak today, um, which is great Medic. for the podcast. <laughs> Speaking of medics, the Quincy Medical Center area, the development plan. I know that this is not necessarily right now; it's at the council's hands. And but you can can you talk a little bit about that and how it works? The process of, of this whole it's a very confusing issue. It, it doesn't need to be, but yeah, you know, it is complicated, I guess. And uh, you know, without going through this for for a half an hour, but you know, we had a hospital on uh, Hospital Hill for a long time. And for a long, long time, it was a city-owned hospital. And then it was spun off to uh, a private nonprofit in 1999. Uh, and then a for-profit bought it, uh, Stuart, and they went out of business, I don't know, about five years ago. Um, so the for the last 30 to 40 years, the hospital lost money. It, it just didn't, uh, couldn't, couldn't make it. So... Um, and, and, and I, sometimes I, I get a little flip with people, but you know, when they complain, the hospital's closed, I said, dude, did you go there? And they look at you, you know, like cross-eyed, you know, well, what do you mean? You know, well, did you go there? I mean, the hospital, you know, like any other business needs to draw revenue in, uh, to meet their expenditures. And right. the hospital wasn't been doing that for decades. So it was a real challenge. And part of the tr- problem is we're so close to Boston. So, a lot of people like to go to the Boston hospitals as some of the best in the world. I get it. I get it. So so the hospital wasn't going to be a hospital anymore. Closed. Um, there's no takers out there to put a hospital there. We kept the emergency room open, the emergency department. Uh, we'll look, continue to do that in our city, although urgent care is becoming hot and up and coming, and, and they're, uh, they're not quite 24-7, but they're getting there. So uh, we're, making, uh, we're making good progress in that area. So what what essentially happened was in the re, in the re, uh, there's a reverter in the language on the deed that refers to it being used as a hospital. Um, so what we worked out with uh, a medical use, I should say, not a hospital, but medical use. So what we worked out with Fox Rock, Fox Rock was look, help us to get some new medical services in Quincy Center. Um, you pay us four point two five million, and we'll release the reverter, if you will, on on the hospital property now. That reverter could be challenged, Mark. It's not clear-cut, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're taking that position, but I'm not so sure in the end if it was litigated, we would win that, you know. So mm-hmm. so the deal was uh, to tie the two properties together in the sense that they're meeting uh, some of the requirement of bringing medical to Quincy Center, which is Brigham Women's Hospital, South Shore Hospital, uh, with all kinds of services to the people of Quincy and beyond, um, it's not going to be um, a, an acute care hospital, but it's going to have a, provide an awful lot of services. And then that allows them, along with the $4.2.5 million to the city, it allows them to then develop the hospital site into uh, something else. Right. Uh, you know, there was no appetite, and I want to repeat this to people, there was <laughs> no appetite in this industry for anyone to come in and take that hospital and open it up again as a hospital wasn't there. Well, you it, just said it also. It speaks to the, how the, the world just gets smaller and smaller. They didn't want a, a hospital here. That's, People that's, just don't want it. That, that, that's exactly right. right. So it, it, the market isn't there for it. We're so close to Boston. If we were 50 miles away, you know, we'd be fine. But we're just so close to Boston. So, And the medical, the whole medical world is changing, as is the health insurance world and uh, Obamacare, all of it. So it all has an effect on, on that stuff. So um, people that think there'll be a hospital on Whitwell Street, you know, um, it's long, long gone. So, so now what do we do with the site? Now, there was some interest early on, 
um, to take the hospital and make it a behavioral uh, and uh, an addiction-type facility, uh, which I know the neighbors would not be very happy with uh, being neighbors to that site. Uh, we steered it to uh, housing, um, and uh, that's what Fox Rock, Fox Rock is proposing. Um, now, by, by zoning, they could put probably up to 1,000 units up there. They came in with just a, under 600 um, after several meetings with the neighborhood, which was very good. We got a lot of in, in good input. I should say the planning department, planning board, got a lot of input from the neighborhood. Fox Rocks listened. They changed their design. They moved it off of the property lines, and they lowered the density. So it's it's under 500 units now, and, and it's still a moving target where it'll, it'll end. Uh, but I, I did say to somebody up in, in that neighborhood when they came in to see me about it, about traffic, and I asked the person, how long have you lived in Quincy? And he said, five years. He said, so you have no idea what the traffic was like when the hospital was running 24-7. I said, so, well, it's four or 500 units up there. It's going to be far less traffic than what the hospital generated when it was in uh, full bore. I mean, 24-7, 1,200 employees, ambulances, police cars, fire trucks going 24-7 around the visitors. visitors coming all the time. When I worked in Jim Sheets' office many years ago, we used to get calls all the time from the neighborhood about visitors parking on the side streets, uh, blocking driveways and all. So um, th- those folks that don't have that history, and even those that may have been around, you forget quickly. We used to get calls about the fumes coming out of the big stack. They used to buy, I think, number six fuel oil, which is, which is like sludge, and it would produce this horrible emissions from there. So there was a lot of negative uh, if you're a neighbor, a lot of negative things that happened in and around the hospital site. Uh, it's, it wasn't the best neighbor if, if you lived up around there. So, um, you know, give what you wish for, you know. Uh, so I, I think we're going the right direction. I think in the end we'll we'll figure this out. I think we'll end up with great medical in Quincy Center, and we'll end up with a beautiful project on Wall Street that everyone will be proud of. And I, and I would bet that every homeowner that lives around there, their values will go up, not go down. <laughs> to be continued. Um, some good news, actually. The Save the Harbor, Save the Bay uh, organization, Bruce Berman, has just uh, sort of graded Hull and Quincy uh, with an A minus, if you will, um, for for its uh, clarity in its water and in its. Well, yeah, I mean that's it, been a hot issue for many, many years. And um, Save the Harbor, um, they do a nice job, and and they look out for the health of the harbor and. Uh, I hope the EPA read this. Um, yes, we got an A minus. Um, the beach closing is at Wallison were very limited last year. Um, so if you look at it historically over the years, it continues to go down. So all of those improvements we've been making uh, to the system over the years has helped. And I also think that people are paying more attention. Uh, the old days, people used to dump stuff into the storm drains. You know, you had a lot of that wacky stuff going on. They never made that nexus or that connection between what happens without drain and where it goes you know so i I think people are a little smarter on that stuff as well um but the reality is we've gone in the right direction i mean i would have taken an a minus in school any day (laughs) (laughs) um i didn't need the a plus but so so you know we appreciate that rating we also know there's still more work to do and we're committed to doing more work until we can get that uh to an a plus but um you know it you got to be practical and realistic on some of these issues because it's not a perfect world and um you know a storm drain system which is separate from the source system, remind everyone that the source go into a, a, a different system tied into the MWR that gets treated. Uh, we're not talking about dumping sewage into the harbor at all. That right. doesn't happen. It's what gets into the storm drains that, that then gets out 
uh, into Quincy Bay, into the rivers and so forth. So uh, we're cognizant of it. We appreciate that rating. We think we're going in the right direction. Um, you know, I, I doubt, uh, I doubt the U S attorney read that story, but, uh, I'm sure they didn't, but you know, also just to, as a note on this, uh, this issue is that there was an unprecedented amount of rain last year. There was 61 inches of rain in Massachusetts and that would cause to the contaminant. And the average the is around 42 inches a year. I'll oh, see that's, yeah. that's amazing. So yeah. that's, and that was the, and we still got an A minus. So that's, that's right. good news. And I thought it, it was worth sharing after what we talked about last week and a couple of times on this podcast. Absolutely. But, I'm uh, sure those folks are listening. You'll probably hear me talk about the EPA once or twice again. <laughs> uh, we hope. We can only hope. Uh, let's talk more about uh, about the increase in the school uh, budget this year. So they're they're seeking uh, the school schools are seeking five point three million dollars. Is that right? Well, let me uh, let me just uh, clarify the process for school. So. Um, the old days before Prop Two and a Half, the school department, school committee and department would give the mayor a bill. They had fiscal autonomy, so that doesn't happen anymore. That hasn't happened since the early 1980s. So essentially, under the law, the mayor of the city sets the bottom line budget for the entire city um, and sets the bottom line budget to the school committee, to the school department. I then become one of seven members of the school committee to decide how that budget is then spent. Now, when we send the budget, the city budget, to the city council, the uh, school budget is in that budget, but the city council cannot get into the detail of the school budget. That's left under the law to the school committee. So they can either approve the bottom line or cut the bottom line, but they can't get into doing cuts uh, department by department. That's just not their role. They can do that on any other city budget. Um, so when they look at uh, the fire department for budget, uh, for example, if they want to cut 10 firefighters, they can do that. Uh, I use that example because they'll never do it. Right. But uh, <laughs> they have that power on the city side. The school side, it's purely the bottom line. Um, so so I, I you know, submitted to the school committee that, that increase in funding, which is part of the submittal also uh, to the city council. In fact, there's a, this week there's a public hearing that the school committee runs for the public to comment on the school on the school spending plan for the upcoming year, so uh, it's a healthy number. It allows us to meet all our needs uh, and to grow in certain areas in programming. And uh, I'm so proud of our Quincy Public Schools in so many ways. They they really meet the need of every family in this city. We've uh, very proactive approach. We've been last year we had the uh, the teacher of the year from Massachusetts. This year we have the school nurse of the year. Uh, DZ, the Department of Education, just. Re- uh, Recognize the city for the low dropout rate and the graduation rates for an urban setting. They, they come in to see us on it. They want to model it for other communities. And our class sizes are very reasonable. Uh, so, you know, there's so many different ways I could continue to brag about our school system. But, um, you know, the superintendents, leadership team, principals, our teachers, and uh, entire staff uh, contribute. Uh, one I, and we'll talk about it, I'm sure, next week. But one of my favorite times as mayor of the, and chair of the school committee is graduation. Mm. We'll be doing that at the stadium in a couple of weeks, and that's when we see the kids move on to the next chapter of their life. And and, and as I look at it, we did everything we possibly could as a community to give them the best chance to succeed going forward in life. And that's what it's about. you know. So I think we do it well. And uh, it's a good, healthy budget, and I would suspect there'll be uh, very few people criticizing the school budget, but who knows? Well, and we'll talk about <laughs> There's those. always an Eeyore or two out there. Yeah, of course. And we'll talk about this more as we move on, but I did notice some – 
You know, some of the money goes to uh, new teachers to keep that class size small and, and into the and, and a new art teacher for for a new the art department for the arts and the music as well. So that's right. Those are both near and dear to my heart. So that's great. Uh, speaking of education in uh, Southwest Middle School, a brand new. This is a big thing to talk about. I know we've talked about it before, but it's opening up next week or, or yes. next few weeks. Well, yes. Um, essentially, the uh, the new building is ready. Now we're going to move the kids next Monday the third from the old building into the new building. And then during the course of this summer, they'll take the old building down and then landscape the entire site and all the finishing touches. So the whole project won't be done till October. But as part of the process, this is the next phase. To get to the next phase of uh, demolition, we need to move the kids into the new building. And uh, I'm happy for the eighth graders so the, they'll yeah. have at least a week into the new building because <laughs> uh, they've borne the, the headaches of, of going through this construction up there. Uh, but it's a magnificent building. And this is where, you know, uh, the partnership with the state. I talked a little bit with local aid earlier. Um, you know, we're receiving some very strong reimbursement rates for this building. Uh, and that was, you know, this program was created. Tim Cale was the, the state treasurer at the time. It's under the state treasurer, so we thank Deb Goldberg and her team. But our legislature voted to create this a number of years ago, um, and they continue to support it. So it's um, this it's a great example of how government works in partnership, the federal, uh, in this case, the state and local level, I should say. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're excited about it. It's great stuff. Well, it's finally opening, so I had to bring that up. With the little bit of time we have, uh, we also discussed uh, the Boston Cannons, their first game as a professional sports team here in the city of Quincy. will be starting next week, and what they've done to the stadium is absolutely amazing. It is incredible. Um, the city, uh, you know, redid the field this past year, so synthetic turf looks magnificent it's it's all fresh and new uh we've uh we've done some improvements over the years in the stadium but we couldn't ever afford to do the kind of uh amenities that uh yeah. that the cannons are able to do but it's about a million six uh new locker rooms new seating new scoreboard uh all kinds of extras they built in that that our kids are allowed to use as well so That's fantastic you know they're gonna have seven home games here in the stadium uh, we have a lot of high school activity in the stadium for lacrosse and soccer and football and um you know and, and as well as the youth organization so we get a lot of use out of it um uh, my my focus will be getting going on the wall it's a gorgeous brick wall that surrounds mm. it yeah. built under the franklin roosevelt days of the works progress administration or the depression wow so uh, but it needs some attention so we gotta we gotta work on that over the next couple of years but this is exciting a professional sports team here in quincy mm-hmm. Beautiful venue at Veterans Memorial Stadium. It really is one of the one of the. It's a beautiful venue. I mean, there's Division three and perhaps some Division two colleges that would love to have a venue yeah. that we have at Veterans Memorial. So it's it's a magnificent place. Rob Hill's the owner of the lacrosse team. He he runs Granitelle and Fox Rock and loves Quincy and uh, Quincy uh, and the South Shore uh, have a lot of lacrosse activity and support. So. We think they're going to do quite well with attendance here. I purchased four seasons tickets. So, I know. I was, uh, I'm excited I about it. Very I, excited about I'm it. Excited. All my three kids played lacrosse. Great sport. It's, I think it's thirty bucks a ticket. Not. It's a great take for a great night. So Saturday night, June first at five p.m. is the first is game one of the Boston Cannons, the first professional sports team here in the city of Quincy. And closing out uh, our show today, may we want to. Think about and wish um, Betty Campbell a great uh, future as she's leaving and retiring from QATV. She's been the executive director over there for a long time. Yeah, I think about 22 years. Um, I've known Betty a long time. I remember when she was involved with the old um, Beachwood Center before we reopened the school. Um, 
Betty was involved in the the Senior Olympics a long time ago. I worked with her and Barry Welch and others, uh, and certainly over the years at Quincy Access Television. She's got a great team over there. Betty's done a nice job. I know she's had some health challenges, so we certainly wish her the best. Many years of health and happiness. Enjoy those grandkids, Betty. We wish you the best, Betty. We certainly do. You're a great person, and uh, good luck. Mayor, uh, that's enough for today's show. What do you think, huh? Sounds good. Thanks, Mark. We'll see you next week. 